You're listening to the Human Business Narrative Podcast with your host, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Eastern European, Ivan Tamilkov. Yo, what's up, guys? My name is Ivan Tamilkov. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of the Human Business Narrative Podcast with yours truly. If you are a first-time listener, thank you for downloading my podcast. I am truly humbled and most grateful to you for spending the time. This is a podcast where we discuss human business, human centricity, entrepreneurship, digital marketing, social media, and special guests and industry experts share their compelling stories to success and fame. The one major key takeaway that you should be extracting from each episode is the importance of human centricity in entrepreneurship, business, and marketing. Before I forget, head on over to http colon forward slash forward slash bit.ly forward slash human business to download your free copy of five essentials of strategic human marketing. Again, that URL is bit.ly forward slash human business to download your free copy on the five essentials of strategic human marketing. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast, please send an email to Ivan at razorsharpdigital.com or just tweet at me at HBN podcast. Guys, I'm pretty excited to have Coca Sexton join me on episode six of the Human Business Narrative podcast. Coca Sexton is someone that I've kept a close eye on in the social space for the last couple of years. Uh, Coca Saxton was previously at LinkedIn and now is leading the evolution of social selling at Hootsuite. Hootsuite is a dashboard social media management tool that helps marketers and businesses manage their social media properties more effectively, more efficiently. Um, Coca Saxton is someone that is a recognized social media expert with um over a decade of experience in the technology industry, someone that is very, very passionate about social media, as you will discover in the guest interview, and someone that uh, sort of forged a path for himself as a leader in the social selling revolution. This is a topic that he heavily promotes through global speaking engagements and customer trainings. His particular expertise extends beyond the knowledge of just social networks like LinkedIn, Twitter, or social media marketing applications and really leaps into the skills of how he uses those particular platforms to drive lead generation, create new opportunities, and help companies engage customers. Some of Coca's specialties are social media strategy, social media channels, content marketing, marketing, social strategy, uh, the proper usage of social media tools, LinkedIn for marketing, LinkedIn for sales, social media marketing, customer engagement, and employee advocacy. I was very excited to have a chance to interview Coca. And after the guest interview, make sure that you stay tuned in for the highlights of the guest interview that way you can recap and document if you wish some of this information uh, so you can use it 
in your own future endeavors. Little did I know, by the way, that Coca is actually a veteran. He did serve in the military service. Uh, and for that, I drop my hat off to you. Coca, thank you so much for serving our great country. We are much appreciative of your time, devotion, and most importantly, your courage. Thank you so much. With that being said, guys, I'm not going to blabble much further. Uh, I want to save all the valuable content for the guest interview and allow Coca to drop knowledge bombs. So get ready. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to the guest interview with Coca Sexton from Hootsuite. All right, everyone. Uh, today, I am joined by none other than Coca Saxton. And Coca, did I pronounce that correctly? How are you? I'm doing great. Yes, uh, it's Coca Saxton. You said it correctly. Great, great, great. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself for the one, two, three, or perhaps four people that don't know who you are? And tell us your story. What is your mantra? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure there are a lot more than two or three people that don't know who I am, but, uh, you know, so, you know, you know, my background has, was in sales. Um, and I don't want to date myself too much, but it was a very long time ago. I started off as a inside sales rep and kind of moved my way, uh, through the sales org. And I had this love hate relationship with marketers. Um, you know, I really liked the people really nice. Um, but I didn't feel as a salesperson that marketing was doing me any favors or even really helping me out as a salesperson. Mm -hmm. um, their, their typical process was to buy lists or do some type of lead generation activity. Um, and then basically having me dial for dollars, um, you know, smiling and dialing through a list of names, trying to find people who were actually interested in our product. Uh, you know, marketing has advanced a lot since, you know, those days, those dark days, as I called them. Uh, but, you know, back when I was in sales, I had to find a way to produce my own pipeline. And I think that this is a pain point where a lot of salespeople um, can identify because it's just as true today as it was years ago. Sure, um, sure. And, you know, I'm you know, very nerdy at heart. Um, and I was a very early adopter into social, uh, social, social media. And mm. I told myself that there has got to be a way to leverage social media to, to build my own pipeline. Most people were taking pictures of their lunch or, you know, tweeting about like whatever it was that they were doing at that exact moment. Um, but there wasn't a ton of business conversations per se. Um, but I saw a few. And as I got more and more invested and learning how these networks operate, I started finding ways to actually connect, identify and connect and then ultimately engage with the decision makers, these buyers. And in that process, I became, you know, very immersed in this idea of leveraging social networks to, to fill my pipeline. And while that was going on, I was in between roles. And I, you know, I, it's when I called my switch to the dark side, I took my first marketing job and I saw that as an opportunity to continue my self-education around how to leverage social networks, but also gave me this immense opportunity to start teaching this to the rest of the world. And, you know, in this marketing role, my job was basically to, to drive leads. And with you know, the, the DNA of a salesperson, I wanted to track it back to revenue in some way, shape, or form. I didn't believe in the fluffy metrics that most marketers at that time were very committed to, which was you know, in the social ecosystem of, oh, our, our followers are growing. We have more fans. 
um, and, and all of those things that really, they, they matter, but you know, at the end of the day, they're not actually driving business. Um, so that was my, my core mission, was to find a way to leverage social networks to drive pipeline at scale within an organization outside of my own use case that I had, I had kind of developed on my own. And we built Social Selling University. Um, you know, so most people know me as being the creator of social selling. And mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't like to say that I am the creator of social selling. I think social selling has been around for a very long time. I think, it, you know, if my claim to fame is anything is that I, I built it, um, uh, I built a platform for it. Um, in the case that more and more people started talking about it as an actual use case for salespeople. Um, you know, okay. So, you know, my background went from, you know, being in sales, moving into marketing, and then, you know, recently being at LinkedIn for three and a half years, building their social selling, you know, uh, platform or helping, you know, you know, scope that out, working with the sales teams on how to leverage social networks, because ironically, you know, we weren't the best at LinkedIn of using our own platform or social networks in general to, to identify mm-hmm. and engage with buyers. Um, and then after leaving LinkedIn, now I'm, you know, the social selling uh, principle at, at Hootsuite, where I'm helping companies understand how to leverage multiple networks in a way that in- identifies, connects, and engages with 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 their buyers and decision makers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So, <clears throat> what I really like that, that you mentioned is that you you had a totally different approach and and outlook when you were talking about marketers uh, specifically. And one thing that really caught my my ear is it sounds like social media was an ins- essential component. Uh, to your background in in, in sales because <clears throat> you were understanding the selling component and then trying to marry up social media to be more strategic and, like you said, making companies understand how to make sense out of social media, right? Correct. Yeah, and, you know, I definitely have been known to be the guy who goes against the grain in most cases, and I just didn't see the value in making a hundred phone calls a day and having two conversations or whatever the ratio was, it was, it was, it was abysmal, but that was the traditional model was you basically sent out a bunch of emails. You tried to you make a bunch of phone calls, you left messages, but I knew even way back then without any data to support it, just my own belief and in, in what I was experiencing was that most of these decision makers were too busy. They didn't have time to take my phone call out of the blue when I called them. You know, when they saw my emails, if they didn't know me or if I wasn't actually in, you know, involved in some project or some initiative that, you know, as a VP that they're working on, my email either got overlooked or just blatantly deleted. And so social really allowed me to identify these individuals as they were interacting or at least being active on these networks and start becoming, you know, building that relationship in an area where they're already just spending their time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's that's real. That's really interesting that that you mentioned. And you're absolutely right. Uh, most times, this uh, your email communication gets garbled and pushed uh, all the way down to the list. So, next question I wanted to ask you is: I mean, so what what really got you, I guess, into social? Was it was it the selling component, or was it just you know a peak of curiosity, or what really got you started in that? It's uh, it. You, you, you kind of nailed it there. You know, it was curiosity and I, and I call it an obsessive curiosity. Uh-huh. Uh, again, being very kind of, you know, geeky uh, in nature. Um, I've always been kind of a, a, very, a, a tech savvy person. Um, I knew, or I had this very strong belief that social networks 
you know, five, six, seven years ago were going to be game changing in the world of business. You know, mm-hmm. you know, there used to be a time not too very far off in the past where companies actually had board meetings to figure out if they should have a website or not because of the investment involved in that. Like nowadays, that's absolutely insane that you would even, it's a no brainer. You have to have a website. But, you know, many years ago, the idea of social being used from a corporate standpoint was again, like it was just one of those weird trendy things that they weren't really sure if they wanted to be a part of. But now as a business, especially, you know, in the 21st century, if you're not leveraging social, you're behind the times, and companies have figured that out and they're, and they're moving forward. You know, where I take a different lens on it is if your salespeople aren't leveraging social, you are behind the times because it's not just a marketing function. It is a business function and social needs to be kind of woven through all of the processes as a company that are going to make you successful in the long run. Right, right. You made a very interesting point and and that actually sparks a memory in my mind from circa 2007, 2009, I think 2007 was around the year, I think when Twitter uh, was was getting started or sort of made made its public announcement. And um, I remember at the time working, doing the nine to five and working for a property management company, a billion dollar family owned property management company that was in a debate of whether or not they should redo their website and also discussing the nuances of social media um, at the time. And I think to go into your point is that I think that was around the time when, you know, today, fast forward to today, uh, some of the companies that were sort of early adopters in the social space back then, uh, I think are the ones that, that sort of have it figured out. And as you mentioned, you know, social is an integral. Or they made some massive mistakes and are now out of business because of that. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. You hit the nail on the head on that one. Like you said, the social is an essential business function. It's not just, you know, I'm going to fire up a tweet or status update for, for the hell of it. But, you know, it's something that's observed heavily in the business world. So, um, you know, speaking of social media is, uh, you know, you've been in the social space for a long time. Obviously, you have the, the selling background, which is absolutely complimentary. What do you foresee happening in 2017 in terms of social trends and, and, and development? Well, you know, one of the trends that I'm very thankful or happy, I guess, is a better word to be seeing more of now than I have in any previous year is that companies are finally putting time, money, and resources behind training their teams on how to leverage social networks from both a marketing perspective, as well as on a sales perspective on the sales side, obviously is is more near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. But the idea that a company is actually putting forth an initiative where they're either bringing in outside help or developing the curriculum, you know, to their own use cases of like of how to do this better and how to be hyper-focused on how the teams that they manage leverage social networks to drive these business results. I think that's one of the trends that we're going to continue to see moving through 2017. The idea of training your sales teams to leverage social better or to be active, an active voice within these social networks. Another trend that I think is, is, you know, slowly bubbling up, but, you know, is, is still very big in, in the sales or in the marketing world is this idea of account-based marketing. Uh, you know, I think uh, Craig Rosenberg, um, you know, is, is big on the term account-based everything. And I, and I tend mm-hmm. to agree with that. It's not just a marketing function. I think people latch on to it being, you know, a singular department that runs these things, but it's actually a corporate 
again, just like social is, where account-based sales is becoming a lot more, um, you know, obvious within within organizations from small companies up to up the enterprise. And I think where social gets layered within that is also becomes very interesting from an account standpoint. So it's mm-hmm. not just important for me to be an active voice in the industry. I need to be an active voice to my target accounts. And how do my how am I identifying all of the buyers or all of the users, decision makers of a specific account on these social networks and developing strategies on how do I keep up to date with, with what they're doing and engaging with them to build that connective tissue in this virtual landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that that those are some very good points. And you know, talked about resources uh, for social. I have media. one other one, and I don't want to leave this one out because I think this is also, sure. is also important. Absolutely. So besides the idea of training and you know this account-based approach, mm-hmm. I think that we're finally starting to see companies really start pushing forward on this this space of employee advocacy. Uh, you know, I think the data is finally being being able to to show you know, consistently that an active sales force on social networks is driving pipeline, either for the individual rep or for the company at large, leveraging the social networks of your sales team um, or, or your just employees in general is driving business results. And companies have been playing around in the EA space, um, you mm-hmm. know, kind of testing the waters to see if, if it works for them. Um, and it's always interesting when I hear, oh, it didn't work for us. Well, if it didn't work for you, the chances are that you didn't deploy it correctly or that you had the wrong strategy in place. Because the more I see employee advocacy applications being used within an organization effectively or correctly, in in my opinion, the the results they're seeing cross every business um, department from hiring Mm -hmm. the right people, like they're able to, to fill job recs much faster they're able to fill their pipelines by generating leads through these social networks, and they're able to drive better awareness around what their what their company does um, by expanding this reach through the, through their company uh, their company social networks. Absolutely, those are those are excellent points, and I appreciate you dropping that. You know, you, you talked about pipeline, and one of the things that I that I wanted to latch on to that is and get your thoughts on this as well is. A lot of what I've also been seeing in the social space, uh, which I think is going to be quite evident in 2017, is stronger focus on human centricity, personality, and and character uh, for brands specifically. Um, do you foresee that as being beneficial in 2017 in the way uh, companies are utilizing that as part of their social strategy? You mean how a brand kind of like humanizes themselves? Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, that's been a talking point, again, for a couple of years, but companies are just struggling with it. Um, I do see that trend continuing. I think that the human humanizing of brand is never a bad thing to do. In fact, it should be a focus for for companies. Um, And and the reason for that is this, is that unless you are a blue chip company or a, you know, a, uh, a brand that has name recognition and excess of what uh, you would expect like a Nike or Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. an Amazon, something along those lines. You know, you have to find ways to get your brand to be seen as approachable or at least uh, relevant in, in, a, in a human context. And the best way to do that is to find ways to connect with your audience. And you can't do that as a logo. Uh, you know, people buy from people. People feel uh, more accustomed dealing with other people. 
it's very difficult for a person to become in this day and age with the inundation of all the information that we have available to us and all the brands that are popping up on a regular basis that are competing for attention for us to become attached to a brand in a very emotional sense, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless it's a Nike, an Amazon, a Coke. I mean, it, it, there's, there's a, a handful of companies that you say a name and you have a, an emotional reaction to it. For the most part, most tech companies, most other industries out there, there isn't that emotional attachment to your brand. But there are emotional attachments to the people that you work with in, within that organization. Yeah, so, absolutely. <clears throat> company trying to find a way to humanize their brand and make it so that they're more relatable to their audience as humans, as people, um, it, I think is, is a very important thing for them to focus on. And then thank you for expanding upon that. One of the main reasons why I asked this question is because that this podcast really focuses, that's one part that he focuses on and basically how brands can, can humanize. So um, I wanted to ask in, in Leo to, to the question of um, 2017 social trends and, you know, what companies brands should be looking for. You made a very interesting point about, you know, uh, brands like Pepsi or Coke, you know, that have brand equity, um, so that was really interesting uh, with the analogy that w- you went behind that. The next question I wanted to ask you is, so, you know, you were previously at LinkedIn. Now you're at Hootsuite. You have a strong background in selling. What would you say has attributed to your success today? I, I would like to say it was totally by design, uh, but, you know, it, that would be <laughs> a, a blatant lie. Uh, <laughs> right. I kind of fell into most of this. Some of it was just my own arrogance or I guess overconfidence in uh-huh. where social was going to play a part and kind of my behaviors behind that. Um, but I'd say the underlying, you know, fundamental uh, like mantras that I would run through were these. And one was uh, within, within the context of my individual personal brand mm-hmm. that I believed that, you know, I had to move from this idea of resume to reputation. And you, most people look at a LinkedIn profile and they see every job you've ever had and you have all of your accomplishments in there. And it was basically your online resume. Uh-huh. And a, a big shift for me was when I started viewing my online profiles, not LinkedIn specifically, but all of them as my online reputation. And how am I leveraging these public networks that people are seeing me on or will find me on if they do a search? into a way to build my own my own brand equity mm-hmm. you know i the ceo of me is, is what i said right, right and so that was one was how do i continue to develop a professional brand and build the social capital and the social the brand equity around what i believe and how i view the world um so that was one part mm-hmm. um the other mantra that i i attribute i'd say 99 percent of my success is this idea of visibility creates opportunity. And what I mean by that is you can't succeed in any way, shape, or form unless you are visible within that industry, that, that, you know, in, in, within that context. If you're not visible at your job, if you're not doing great things and people are seeing those great things, you're never going to get promoted. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you are not you know, let's, 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 let's take it to a very personal level. Like if I wasn't at, you know, a specific location at a specific time and, and being visible, I would have never met my thoughts. Right. 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 You know, this idea of visibility creates opportunity is universal. 
And in a sales context, it's even more important. Salespeople are waiting for people to come to them. You know, most salespeople, as much as we don't want to, you know, we don't want to say it, salespeople still rely on marketing. And I don't think that, that we necessarily should. Mm-hmm. I think marketing is providing a lot of air cover and a lot of things that are helping sales teams uh, and ultimately helping them build their pipeline. But as salespeople, like it's, it's on you to develop your own pipeline. And how are you going to do that? How are you going to develop those opportunities? Right. The only way you're going right. to do that in this new age, in this new world, is by being extremely visible on social networks. And my success came from this idea of, hey, I'm not going to post one or two updates a day. I'm going to post every hour on a 24-hour clock and mm-hmm. see what happens. Right. And by testing that, I realized that this idea of this, what I, what I turned into visibility creates opportunity. The more visible I was, more opportunities came my way because people saw me as a resource and not just some sales guy trying to pitch them something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I had to write these down because you made four very interesting points that I'm going to throw in the description of this podcast that are, I think are extremely valuable. First, you mentioned curiosity. That was the one thing that I heard you say earlier on that really piqued your interest towards the social space. Number two is your tech savviness. So you're a technologist, um, as you mentioned. Number three, you, you talked a lot about personal branding, which is a lot of what I'm hearing um, of nowadays, too, is the stands of uh, intricate importance, especially in the social space. And then number four was visibility, as you mentioned that, because I think there's there's this preconceived notion, especially with companies who are slightly or completely incoherent about social, social media, social selling, is the fact that, you know, we're going to post a couple of times a day on social media just to say that we post and we executed, you know, on a couple of status updates or a couple of tweets. And, you know, that's insufficient, I think. You know, uh, a lot of the stats, and I know you're a huge stats guy that I've seen, you know, for instance, you know, the lifespan of a tweet is like 2.5 minutes or something along those lines. So to your point on visibility, and, and again, to recap, curiosity, tech savviness, personal branding, Invisibility. Those are the four things that I heard that you know you've executed flawlessly that is attributed to your success today. Is that correct? Well, I wouldn't say it's been flawless. There have been many failures along the way, but I appreciate <laughs> well, it. Right, right, right. Um, you know, and I think, but all of the the, the latter stem from this idea of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that great salespeople, great professionals in general, get that way because of some burning curiosity in them that is pushing their limits, making them step out of their comfort zone to say, what would happen if I tried this? You know, social media being used for a salesperson was unheard of at some point. Right. But I believed there's got to be a way to basically take the things that marketing is doing within social networks and apply them specifically to my own use case. And sure. ultimately we found that, that is, that's a winning combination. You know, if, if you're calling salespeople mini marketers or you're, you know, you're, you're telling them that, you know, they're, they're becoming advocates for, your, for the company. Um, you know, there's many different ways to kind of slice that pie. But at the end of the day, the salesperson, the benefit to them is, one, they're building their professional brand. Mm-hmm. No matter, they're not going to stay in the company that they're in for, for 15 years. You know, this isn't my parents' generation where they stayed within the same organization for 35 years, retired, got a gold <laughs> watch, and sat in their, right. sat in their walking chair for life. You know, most people switch jobs every three to four, three to four years, even if it's an internal switch, right. they move from one organization to another, or whatever it may be, you know, people are not staying in roles anymore. And the ways that people mm-hmm. are being successful 
bouncing from one company to the next. And then I don't mean job hopping every year in, and, and because that, that also hurts you. Right. But when you're doing it strategically, right. when you're doing it with a purpose of, of developing your own skills, one of the things that plays into that and your ability to be able to do that, you know, uh, pretty seamlessly is how you're viewed in, 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 in the social networks that you're able to be found in. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that I would have gotten to where I'm at today. You know, I, I would have ultimately, I, I honestly believe I would have never gotten the role at LinkedIn, which was, I think was probably one of the biggest turning points in my career. Uh-huh. As much as I was, you know, in, in my own eyes or in some people's eyes, very successful when I, at other companies building the social selling, you know, ecosystem, you know, I, I feel like I wouldn't have never gotten the role that I had at LinkedIn being the company that they are and how they are so picky on who they hire in if I didn't have the professional presence that I had built over the years before that. Right. 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 I think that every salesperson should focus on how are they developing their professional brand so that when they are ready to find that next opportunity, they've already set themselves up for success. Yeah. Yeah. You made a very interesting point that I wanted to touch upon because um, my parents are baby boomers. And one of the things you talked about is, uh, and of course, baby boomers, but also um, Eastern European. So the mindset behind the whole job search that you talked about, where most individuals are switching jobs every couple of years or so is really interesting. But the point I was trying to make, and that's why I want to elaborate upon that is the the differences the generational differences you know the the baby boomers were the generation where you know you worked at a job 10 20 30 years 40 years and you know you got the gold watch as you said retired and you know you're off to hawaii or whatever you know to to live it up right well we live in a day and age you know through modernization and social and digital um where it it, it just doesn't It's not necessarily a generational thing, but I think the state of the business marketplace and the state of business, the way business is done in 2017, 2016, um, you know, the dynamics have have really changed. So you made a very interesting point um, on that. And this kind of segues into my next question I wanted to ask you. This is more in the neck of the woods. Um, What recommendations would you give to newcomers? in the social and digital space. And, and the opposite of that is, so for newcomers and what advice can you give to seasoned veter- veterans? So the first piece of advice I'd give to newcomers is, you know, again, I, I just take a page out of my own playbook is mm-hmm. look at your existing social profiles, things that are publicly available people look at. And I'm even mean, and I even mean Facebook, because if you have a Facebook profile and it's not totally locked down, chances are somebody's going to find that page at some point by doing a Google search on your name, right? So all of your social profiles, you need to, you should write down, uh, let me back up a little bit. My advice is this. If you want to get, if you want to become successful, if you want to succeed in this, in this new digital age, take 20 minutes out of your calendar, lock it off and get a piece of paper and write down, I want to be known for X and then write down what that is. What is this brand that you want to be known for? Do you want to be, seen as you know a business leader do you want to see as somebody and, and for the younger you know of the audience you, you're not going to be an expert just because you say you are right but right. you want to be seen as a, a a student of x as opposed to a teacher like i always call myself a student of social as much mm-hmm. as i've been in this game for a really long time the the pieces move so fast and they change in so many different ways i'm constantly learning and i think that's and again this, this obsessive curiosity. You have to constantly be learning all of this. 
And so look at all your social profiles and make them so that when somebody sees them, they're adding value. Everything you do online should be adding value to some, to some extent. Right, right, right. The second thing I would, I would say is that you need to adopt this idea of visibility creates opportunity and you will find it. The more that you are being active and engaging and, and finding these influencers and finding these decision makers that are talking about interesting things and actually being interested in the mm. things that they're doing and saying online, the more opportunities are going to come your way. So you mentioned a, a very interesting point that I, that I want to reiterate because I think it's extremely important is that you mentioned that in the social space, you are a lifelong learner because it's a continuously moving target. Is, is that kind of what I heard you? Yeah. I mean, this is the, the one reason why I've never written a book of, you know, the, the, the dozens of times I've either been <laughs> um, approached or okay. ask, you know, why haven't I written a book on this yet? Right, you know, my right. answer is being consistent. And maybe this is my own cop-out, but I don't believe that writing a book on social selling would be relevant a year from now. That's, uh, that's so an I, excellent point, indeed. So I stick to short-form content, either eBooks, blog posts, things that can be timely and used. Mm -hmm. But as the marketplace or the, the industries, the, the platforms of themselves change or new ones come online, um, you know, I have to be nimble. And I think this agile approach is what's made me successful, you know, to this day. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the idea of writing a book about it has always been like, well, that would be ridiculous. I'd waste six months writing it or however long writing it and then it gets published and it would be out of date within a little while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's a very, very good reason too. And, and I, I have to agree with you because you're making a very good case for relevance. And I think a lot of the books that are out is, as you mentioned, six to 12 months and they're outdated because the practices and the fundamentals seem to be constantly changing. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Well, I think the fundamentals are the fundamentals, right? Uh -huh. And if you can write a book on fundamentals, that's great, but there are a dozen books about the fundamentals. What, what people would need to learn to be successful are the tactical applications of the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you if you're into sports, I'm not much of a sports guy, but I love this analogy mm -hmm. of, you know, if you want to be a really good, you know, like Kobe, for example. Right. He would wake up at the, at the crack of dawn and literally sit on a court and shoot free throws 100, 200 in a row. He worked that muscle until he could do it in his sleep and with his eyes closed. Right. <laughs> right. right. Those are the fundamentals. And salespeople, sales leaders need to focus on the fundamentals. They need to make their sales team these sharp-edged weapons for their sales or for their organization that can find the right buyers to fill the pipeline. Love it. Love where it. I think, where I think, you know, the difference is outside of the fundamentals is the actual tactical implications of that. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? I know I need to find the right buyers, and you know, I need to have my targeted accounts, and they have to be segmented, and I have to know who these people are. But how do I do that? And that's where I think we are, and why. You know, there's a lack of information for that. I can give you, I can rattle off a na the names of a dozen tools you should look at. Yeah, absolutely. How to use those tools, they're useless. Um, and that's why I think the trend of training is continuing to grow. Sure. So the idea of, you know, more content or more discussion around how do I use LinkedIn? How do I use Twitter? How do I then integrate those within a dashboard within something like Hootsuite where I'm able to look at all of this in aggregate in mm -hmm. one in one dashboard with different streams targeting specific keywords and different geolocations that allow me as a salesperson to be much more highly effective than 
here's a bunch of stuff and figure it out. And if it doesn't work, then we won't renew our contract next year. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So you talked about the, you know, the, the strategies, the recommendations that you would give to newcomers. What would you advise that seasoned social veterans and someone that's been in the social space for for a lengthy period of time that they could do to amp up their game? Well, if they're veterans, if they've been doing this, I, I think they, you know, I, I don't know how much more I could tell them outside of start measuring it. I mean, the, the, the key difference is once you start becoming active and you start finding the opportunities, the next thing and the first thing that you need to start figuring out how to optimize is how do you optimize this process? What is the data? What's working? What's not? And, and building this process that you're, you're constantly honing down to perfection. And I think for the seasoned vets, one of the, if, if I'm going to give you any advice at all, it's, it's, it's more of a request. It's mm-hmm. start sharing your knowledge. You know, I, I still come across salespeople who are really good at, what, at this. Um, and, you know, they, they're either afraid because they don't want their secrets to get out because right. they're crushing it to their organization. Um, or they just don't think that it's really what they're doing is really all that special. But the reality is that it's game changing. That's why they're being successful in their own roles. Mm-hmm. I think that for these vets, the ones that have been doing this for a long time, start sharing it. And it doesn't mean that you need to start your own blog. It doesn't mean that you need to launch your own podcast. But you should be finding the opportunities to get on, you know, or, you know, podcasts like this with you, Ivan, and, 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 yeah, and yeah. sharing that knowledge. Because I think that that knowledge transfer is going to continue to catapult this area and start sparking new ideas of ways to leverage networks to, to become more successful. You know, uh, t- t- one thing that you mentioned is, is, is to share that knowledge. And, and I'm a huge fan and advocate of that. And I, I believe in transparency and share, sharing that knowledge and continued education. And this was actually one of the reasons why this podcast was rejuvenated and rebranded in a slightly different format that really kind of pushed that one of the books that I think really kind of helped me change my, my business mentality. And also uh, perhaps my outlook on social, I think was Gary V's jab, 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 right hook, how to tell your story in a, in a noisy social media world. And I know a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, social uh, individuals, business owners talk about this, but my takeaway on that was really the whole jab, jab, jab part, not necessarily sell, 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 but jab, 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 as in, you know, providing continuous value, added value yeah. that can help solve problems and needs to your prospects. And one of the other things that's sort of like an added layer with the podcast and, and the, the the business approach um, that I have is to add the humanization on top of that as well. And personalization, which, as we talked about earlier on, a lot of companies, you know, excluding Pepsi and, and Coke and some of these bigger brands who have some brand equity and, you know, they're overarching, you know, to be able to reach your buyer persona and your target audience. So I, I, I the fact that you mentioned that w- w- was key. And that's why I wanted to reiterate it to make sure that there was an emphasis on the fact that continuing to education and transparency, like you mentioned earlier on, is gaining that recognition, right? Because that's kind of what you were doing with your personal brand is whether it was tweeting or, um, you know, you're on Facebook or but continuously pushing knowledge or uh, engagement with people, which ultimately those people could turn into your target audience and potential customers. At least that's kind of what I what I heard you say. Is that kind of along the right path of thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe in the long game. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I love Gary. I know that he's polarizing in, in many ways, but, you know, I think he's finally, uh, he, he's, people are, even, even the people who he used to kind of rub the wrong way or even coming around. Sure. Like I see it within my own, my own network of people who were Gary haters, but now they're like, I actually like what this guy has to say. And I've been like, I told you so, like this guy's amazing. Um, you know, the idea of the jab, 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 I mean, it, it, it's an amazing concept. He, you know, he brought this idea of, of adding value into the context of boxing. Uh-huh. And, you know, my, my own take on this is that you have to add value and excess of whatever you're asking for return. And, and, and I underline and italicize and bold the world in excess, right? If I'm going to ask for a meeting from a VP of marketing from some, some big company, mm-hmm. the chances of him just taking that meeting from me as a nobody means nothing. Right. If I show him enough value that he says, you know what? You're asking for 20 minutes of my time. I want to talk to you about this for an hour and a half. Right. 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 Like, you need to be able to provide value in excess of whatever it is that you're asking for. If you're selling a $10,000 product, you better show value of a million dollars to that company. Right. And that make it so that it's a no brainer decision. Like they see so much value in what they're get, getting. Like they're just throwing the money that they have at you because you're not asking for anything what they think that they're actually going to get as an output. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that that, Position of adding, you know, adding an excess of whatever you're going to ask for in return translates into, you know, asking for a meeting. It's, you know, asking for, you know, a signed PO, um, and then, you know, all across the board. Like you, we have to take the position as professionals that when we want to engage with these decision makers, with these these buyers, that we have to be able to provide value in, in excess. And you know, I think that's the jab, jab, jab before the right. Book. Right. You right. Have to be, you have to be valuable. Yeah, absolutely. You you hit the nail on the head on that one. And I think that's where you were kind of cross-pollinating of the new modern way of selling is giving that upfront value, that added value proposition to the point to where it becomes a no-brainer, right? That they're bought into it before you've, you've even asked anything anything in return. As a matter of fact, you know, so that's that's a very good way to... to uh, <clears throat> analyze that and approach and obviously with your selling background that was a good way to explain it so what are some fun projects that you're working on right now is there anything worth sharing that you're comfortable in letting us know yeah i mean there's hutu is building some really amazing stuff um Mm -hmm. you know i think the idea that we're starting to build a platform. Well, I mean, it's already built, right? Like I think the idea has always been and kind of my own talk tracks have always been very singular in nature. This is what you should do on Twitter. Mm-hmm. This is how you use Twitter for sales. This is how you use LinkedIn. This is what LinkedIn is, uh, the benefits of the platform is for sales. Right. Um, and you, you name the social network and I've been very siloed in how I make these discussions. But personally, I've been using Hootsuite in the exact same fashion, but in a very integrated format. And I, and you know, now I have this great opportunity of sharing how that works for a mm-hmm. salesperson. You don't need to have your Facebook, your LinkedIn, and your Twitter tab and in, in YouTube open. Like you can create a dashboard that has all of the pertinent stuff just being fed to you, and then you get to engage it across platform right. from one from one site. I think that you know that's you know, I, the, the most fun that I'm having right now is figuring out what that looks like and helping tell that story to a wider audience. Um, right. I think that the idea of 
continuing to find better ways to target decision makers that are talking about things that you want to you know, engage with is something that I think is going to continue to grow um, from you know, a social listening standpoint. I think that social selling has always been on the track of prospect engage and not so much listening before the prospecting. Mm-hmm. And salespeople need to put on, you know, their social ears and do a ton of listening and, and really honing in on what are these conversations that they're looking for that are that going to be ultimately become opportunities for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the idea of employee, you know, advocacy and, you know, finding faster and, and easier ways to have companies sharing content through their employees' networks as well as providing them with you know the the content that's going to make them more relevant in general not even about their own company or industry you know if i am interested in becoming a great manager i'm a student of management i you know it's it's wonderful when my company feeds me the best articles from harvard business review or from you know entrepreneur about how to be a great manager that way I'm not having to look for it. It's actually being fed to me by my own company mm-hmm. on top of all the other stuff they, about the company they want me to share. And I become you know, a prolific sharer through, through this application. Um, you know, I think that's, that's another thing that I'm having fun working on with the, with the team here. You know, the, the product is called Amplified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned, so talking about Hootsuite, which, by the way, is a tool that, that I use for my social media endeavors and, and clients I work with. You're not just saying that, are you? Uh, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> I, I've been a huge fan of Hootsuite for uh, for a long period of time, I think, since uh, they launched. But, you know, I think in a sea of, of saturation, especially of social tools, I think in the earlier days, it was just a matter of, feasibility and uh, how robust it was and uh, the functionality that it was offering. And like you mentioned, you know, I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head in an essence that Hootsuite just offers that that a la carte approach to uh, being able to manage your social channels. And that's why a lot of companies, I mean, it's the go to. I think that a lot of digital folks that I talk to, you know, when I start the discussion of social tools and try to gauge you know their approach to that is Hootsuite is usually in the top three and I don't know if it's necessarily because uh, of the price point uh, but more of the functionality that he offers not to mention is that the mobile compliance which nowadays you know a lot of marketers specifically and companies are looking for the mobile component and I think Hootsuite has made valiant strides in that direction in creating a product that was uh, mobile centric and it was mobile functional as well. So I just wanted to throw it out there because, like I said, I'm a huge advocate. I, I definitely love the direction that Hootsuite's going. And you already mentioned that you guys are really working on strengthening the platform to make it even more robust, even more uh, beneficial to brands and, and marketers and being able to. By the way, the, the reporting features that you guys added on, I think that was a huge, huge uh, uh, step forward in being able to measure and quantify, as you mentioned earlier on in one of the questions that I asked you, uh, what advice would you give to seasoned veterans? And you talked about measurement and and quantification. I think Hootsuite is making strides or has made made strides in that direction. This position that is a competitive product in the social space. Coca, this has been an amazing conversation. I, I really, really enjoyed chatting with you and 
uh, talking about social selling, talking about um, some personal branding, uh, human centricity. Also, question I have to ask you, if people want to connect with you online, what's the best way to do that? Well, I'm, I'm actually fairly easy to find. Uh, I am Coca Sexton across just about any social network. Okay. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at, at Coca Sexton. I'm on LinkedIn. You know, just search my name. Um, don't look at my Pinterest boards, though, because those are a mess. <laughs> uh, but you, you reach out to me, connect with me. I'm, 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 I'm a very open networker. Uh, and I, I'm going to assume or at least you know, believe that everybody who's listening to this podcast uh, is relevant to me in some way. So if mm-hmm. you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, feel free to do that. Uh, mention, mention that you heard me on the podcast. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to just continue to share everything mm-hmm. that I find, the things that I, I produce on my own. Um, but also answer any questions that may come out of come out of this. Absolutely, absolutely. So you mentioned Pinterest, and I'm not going to hold this to you, but uh, I'm just as guilty, I think, because majority of my boards look like cooking recipes because the wife usually forces me to look for a recipe to cook for dinner. And believe it or not, Pinterest is my usual go-to. So, Coca, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just one of the it's one of those things. So, um. Thank you so much for for joining me uh, on the podcast. I truly enjoyed the conversation and look forward to uh, staying in touch in the social space. Absolutely. Thank you so much, David. So uh, there you have it, guys. Uh, That was the guest interview with Coca Sexton of Hootsuite. And as you may have noticed, Coca dropped some serious knowledge bombs. There's, there's quite a bit of information here. And this is precisely why I decided to introduce a segment on the podcast called Highlights. And the intent behind the highlights is to really kind of recap some of the most important points from the guest interview. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of people have been asking about this and have been asking specifically more details about the guest interviews and So I want to spend the next few minutes kind of recapping and giving you guys the highlights from the guest interview with Coca Sexton. And by the way, these highlights are also going to be available in the description of the podcast episode. So let's go ahead and run through them. First of all, a website is essential in the 20th century. You just need to have one. Uh, That is uh, one of the requirements. If your brand does not have social media presence and activity, then it's non-existent. Social media is a business-related function. So you need social media properties. If you don't have them, your brand does not exist, period. Companies are finally putting forth time, money, and training into social media. So a lot of companies are recognizing that social media does sell, does build, does help build communities and helps establish new prospects social media curriculums are forming based on market needs and necessities the rise of account-based marketing and account-based sales through social media an active sales force on social media networks is helping companies build their pipeline and business results employee advocacy and social media usage contributes to finding the right talent and contributes to better retention Companies should focus on humanizing their brand and using social media as a companion, resource, and a tool to do so. You cannot succeed in any way, shape, or form without visibility 
and accomplishment. Social media plays an intricate role in development of visibility, awareness, and interest on social media platforms. Visibility helps create opportunity, and this is really where social media is intricate for companies because having social media properties, having social media uh, handles is just not enough. You have to have that visibility. You have to be able to be. You have to be able to show knowledge and expertise. Most people switch jobs every two to three years these days because of strategic purpose and skill development. Although, as Coca pointed out. It is not necessarily good from a career development standpoint. So hopping from job to job is not necessarily a good thing. However, a lot of people nowadays are doing that from a strategic standpoint because it helps them build their skills. As a newcomer into social media, review your social media profiles and ensure that they are properly optimized and consistent with your brand. So consistency is the keyword here. Determine what specifically you want to be known for in the marketplace. Uh, this is a very, very important element to recognize and ensuring that you're consistent with that messaging across all of your social platforms, the way you represent yourself or your brand. Everything that you do online should be adding value to others in some extent. Focus on development of interest, awareness, and engagement with others and this particular uh, highlight uh, really kind of pertains to Gary Vaynerchuk's Jab, 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 Right Hook book, How to Tell Your Story in a Noisy Social Media World. If you have not read that book, I strongly suggest you pick it up today. It will absolutely change your mentality uh, in your business approach. Short form content such as blog posts, podcasts, etc. rather than long form content which includes writing books, may become quickly irrelevant. So this was a really interesting uh, highlight that I wanted to extract from the guest interview with Coca Saxton because the point that Coca made is, is that writing books, writing a book, the information you share in a book may quickly become irrelevant. So this is where short forms such as blog posts and podcasts and so forth are a lot more beneficial because they have relevance. So that was a really good point that, that Coca made. Salespeople need to be more heavily involved in the social media space, in particular using it strategically to prospect and engage for new business opportunities. So uh, the sales force within a, any company should have a thorough understanding of how social media works, and they need to be embracing social media to the fullest extent for prospecting and development of new opportunities. Experienced social media professionals should be finding opportunities such as this podcast, The Human Business Narrative, to share their experience, knowledge, and offer insight. This is really where knowledge sharing and knowledge sharing in general is a huge trend uh, that also helps uh, establish influencers or help certain individuals become influencers or for companies to, to become authoritative in specific industries and verticals through the means of knowledge sharing. Always focus on providing value to others that would help them solve problems. You know, this is probably one of the biggest, most important things I think that out of all the highlights that I've shared thus far that you should be recognizing from this podcast is the value of, or uh, excuse me, I should say, always focusing on providing value to others that can help them solve problems because 
this is extremely important from a business standpoint because if you develop a trend of knowledge sharing and providing value and this kind of goes in you with Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, then you jab, 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 you provide enough value and then you go in for the right hook. Right hook is ultimately asking for the sale, not selling, asking for the permission to sell. So it's a much more organic approach to doing business and providing value using social media platforms to continuously provide value to prospects and, and other people can be a significant advantage to you in building your brand. And the last highlight that I wanted to talk about is in an appointment setting environment, first show value of extensive proportion before asking for a meeting. So the scenario that Coco Saxton uh, shared with us in the guest interview is that if you are going to ask, if you're going to request for time for a meeting appointment with the CEO of a company uh, or a CMO uh, or someone in, in the C-suite, um, then you need to first show value. Uh, so if that means you know spending an hour, an hour and a half, or uh, upfront sharing an extensive amount of value that to where they see recognition, they see they see value that can help contribute that to their company, then ultimately after that, coming in and asking for that appointment. So in essence, the C-suite is probably looking for a proof of concept. And if you can show them enough value to make it justifiable for their time, then ultimately that would increase your chances for acquiring an appointment. So those were all the highlights that I wanted to recap from the guest interview with uh, Coca Sexton. Uh, this was a powerhouse, powerhouse of a guest interview. And I'm truly ecstatic to bring this to you guys. I'm hoping that you enjoyed the guest interview as much as I did. In closing, a couple things that I wanted to mention. If you are interested and being a guest on the podcast, please send an email to Ivan at razorsharpdigital.com or just tweet at me at HBN Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, need help with humanizing your brand, marketing, digital related work, please feel free to use the same email address, Ivan at razorsharpdigital.com to email me. Don't forget to download your free copy of Five Essentials of Strategic Human Marketing at bit.ly forward slash human business. Uh, you can also tweet at me at Ivan underscore Tamokov. And that's pretty much it for this episode, guys. And one last thing before I forget, remember to always keep it human. Peace out.